Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I'm your host, Chris Anderson, publisher of earsports.com, the West Virginia site on the 24-7 Sports Network. In just a moment, I will be joined by my co-host, Mr. Mike Casaza. It's Texas week, and we have a lot to discuss here uh, because obviously this is a big game for West Virginia, uh, so we have plenty to do, talk about there. We've got a new depth chart with a few changes. We had some interesting conversations or Mike had some interesting conversations with players, coaches, and, and Neil Brown himself today. And not just about Texas, about some interesting topics because there's a lot going on in and around West Virginia football and college football as a whole. And, and we're going to touch on that a little bit, but first Mike, how are things going this evening? I'm good. I'm feeling well refreshed with the open week, um, which I can't say the same for you. Can you fill everybody in on how you're <laughs> dragging yourself to the microphone today through, yeah. through long odds? Well, while you were enjoying, uh, what was that, the Roadkill uh, Cafe mm-hmm. uh, uh, fair, uh, I was I was under the weather, lost my voice, and not feeling well. Um, better now. It's back. I'm ready to go. Um, this is just kind of the things that happens when you coach three-year-old soccer and go to preschool all the time you pick up all those disgusting germs that all those little kids have so it's nice when you get uh, clipped by a cold or a flu or strep throat how long are you out uh not very long I- i'm pretty good about it but this time was more of a i just lost my voice and literally it would have just been me my voice cracking the entire time i was trying to talk with you so i'm i'm uh i'm amazing and I don't get sick. It's really strange. Like I could, I could line up witnesses, and it's been years since I got sick. Like it's, it's crazy. Like I'll get, and I might get a sore throat or like a pseudo cold, but I sleep it off, and I'm really good. It doesn't get me. And like, here's a weird flex, but like, as much as I traveled in airplanes and hotels and just like germ factories, petri dishes, right? I never got sick. I never understood it. It's, it's a wild thing. But like, what worries me is I teach college students twice a week and like it's kind of like you're someone's at your desk and you're telling them how to punctuate a sentence or stuff like that and like i find myself really worried about, <laughs> about like what germs they're carrying but like i just knock it out with some brown liquid usually when it comes calling and i'm i usually sleep it off pretty good and i'm good the next day so i'm glad you're resilient like that i don't know what i would do yes. without you no i do not uh have what do they call it the man flu i do not get knocked out for days at a time like some guys out there i got um, sick once when the Indians were in the World Series a couple years ago, and like I was in, I made that trip because I have a cousin who worked for a radio station. I had tickets, and like that was the same week that they played like Baylor or somebody on a Saturday. They were in New York, excuse me, in Kansas City for Big Twelve Media Day. The World Series is a day later, and then like they had a home game Saturday, and like I remember in between like the Tuesday football and or no the, the in between getting home and then going to football on. Uh, Thursday, maybe, because maybe it was a different week, whatever. But I remember calling the bosses at the Gazette and be like, I'm not in very good shape. Like, I may have mono or something like that. And they're like, Well, you can't get sick because, <laughs> like, the paper won't come out. And I was like, Oh, no pressure. So, yeah. I feel like I have a stronger support system here. But, like, that's the last time I can really remember being affected. And I don't know why I'm talking about this right now, but I was thinking about this today that I've been kind of lucky and I need to get my flu shot. <laughs> that would be a good idea. Uh, can't get sick. Website won't go anywhere. No, I, uh, no, if you get sick, I'm just I'm just not going to work out of spite, and I'm just going to let the site go down Fair for enough. a couple of days. Um, before we get started on this Texas, all this Texas stuff, because there is a lot to cover here. This is obviously a big game for West Virginia. 
is it a big game for Texas? Uh, might be something we touch on in a bit. But there's something we've done a couple times on this podcast, and I want to do it again just because there's a lot of things I want to get your thoughts on where I don't tell you beforehand what I'm going to ask you because I, I want to get your fresh hot take right here recorded live for everyone is here and, and and no take backs uh no copping out no trying to get out of answering the question uh no pulling a neil brown on the player payment thing i want to uh i want to hear your honest thoughts on some things and and you've seen them before but you don't know which i'm about to ask because they're all over our message board right now so are you ready i'm ready okay first things first this is a delicate topic, and I'm not entirely sure. I'm about to, I tell you, you can't cop out, but I'm ready to cop out on it because I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. But for those who don't know, the other day on social media, former West Virginia safety Jared Harper posted about how he was una- he called to get tickets for the Texas game, was offered one freebie, and was told that if he wanted to bring a guest, he had to pay for it. And underneath that comment on social media were several other comments from other former players with similar stories. Um, Terrell Chestnut, Doug Rigg, and and a few others saying similar things. And then we also saw it from, to be fair, other schools as well. I've spoken with players who played at Virginia Tech, UVA, and Pitt. Um, So there is some perspective here that they all are dealing with the same thing. What's your take on this? I, I, is this is this is this on the school? Is this just asking too much? What's going on here? What do you think? I think the one ticket is kind of strange because I doubt very much that these people are going alone. Um, and I haven't talked to Jared or Terrell or anybody like that about this, so I can't speak with them. And I don't know what lengths they went to or if they kept running in the stone walls. I will say this: I've heard from different people that they're they're puzzled sometimes about responses about I don't know the cooperation or the granting of requests or whatever. Since the, since the new guys took over, um, not a frustration, but just a, you know, hey, the arms are open, the doors are always open, but, you know, dot, dot, dot. And I think maybe this is one of those examples. So um, I'm curious why it went public. So I'm assuming that there was some frustration toward that end, and that's maybe why. I don't think it needs to happen like that. And I think that, like, sometimes, you know, maybe it shouldn't happen, but also now that it's out there, I wonder – what the back channels are like and who would football saw that and was like, man, got to sweep this up, whether we're right or wrong, we got to sweep this up. So maybe there's some sort of corrective measure. Um, I do think it's kind of weird that like, I thought it was strange that Brown invited Pat McAfee back on Twitter. And I don't know if Pat wanted that or if he liked that. It just seemed like an unusual thing to me. And like, cause the phone call probably would have been awesome and they could have had a conversation, but maybe not that one of those guys has that time in their schedule to actually not only send a text or a phone call, but to actually hook up and make sure that they're at the same time with their phone and able to talk and trade text. So I don't know. And it's also 2019 and everything happens on social media, which makes me go back to this original point that that's where people air their grievances. Now, you know, that's their flagpole where they raise their issues and everybody gets to see it. I don't like to see it. And I don't know all the facts of it. Uh, I think it's weird that you get one ticket. If that is indeed their policy, I don't know. Um, but once a mountaineer, always a mountaineer. Isn't that what everybody constantly says? You would like to think that they facilitate that as much as they can. Now, if it's last second, if it's, you know, on Sunday of Texas week, it could be hard to do that. But I look out the field before a game or during a game, and I see all sorts of people who, compared to a starting safety or a starting quarterback or a starting cornerback, 
those people have no business out there relatively. So I would think that you would give your former players preferential treatment. This is, again, saying without any knowledge of what actually happened specifically or any <laughs> for prior knowledge of you giving me this question. But I think it could have yeah. been handled better, but there might be an explanation why. That's good. I, I, I said no cop-outs, but you are allowed to put out disclaimers. That is, that is allowed. Uh, what would be, just off the top of your head, what, what's... I mean, I don't know if there is a solution, but what would you what would you do? Like, if you were in charge of this, like, do you set aside X number of tickets for former players? Do you like tell them before, hey, this is how many we got each week. You guys can call uh, up to you know any time after, like, say July, and up until we're out of tickets to get a reserved seat. And what do you do here? Part of me wants to say that you never say no. I just think that's the right thing is that you should never say no to people who left your program in good graces or anything like that. That's not realistic. I, I would say, you know, snarkily that, wow, you could let them all stand, you know, in the end zone during a game. Um, I look out where students don't sit and I think you could fill those seats <laughs> somehow or another. I'm sure that there are suites or places like that that you could fill, but that's not realistic. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. So that's not a good answer. I don't know how you do it though. Do you have a sign-up sheet, a lottery? Do you have, players from certain classes are welcome back a couple weekends a year or they're given, you know, hey, you guys will be available for weeks one, three, five, and seven. You guys are two, four, six, and eight. Or, you know, is it every three or four years? You know, I don't know how you do it. Is it generational where these guys are blocked off for a couple games a year? You maybe don't get to every one of the games, but you know that, hey, guys that I played with or who are a little bit before or after me, um, you know, who laid the foundation or who followed the foundation that I laid, maybe they're going to be there for a game and I'll go. Uh, I think the fact that we don't know the answer doesn't mean the one doesn't exist, but I think it's a pretty cool conversation about now how do you logistically do that? Because I would think for sure now this is going to get some attention over there. It just doesn't seem like one of those things that's uh, going to get spilled and they're not going to clean up. Just what little bit I know about their attention to detail and how smooth they want things to run. And more importantly, how, how good they want to look for themselves, for other people. I would imagine this gets attention soon that we probably would have an answer to that before long. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And I just found it so interesting just because when it first happened, I was like, oh, no, this this stuff again with the former players, because we, we would hear routinely, not routinely, that's uh, the exact opposite of what I was trying to say there. But we would hear occasionally from former players just airing their grievances about something about, you know, either the previous staff or even sometimes with this staff not being able to get in to the building, not being able to come to the games, not feeling welcome, whatever it was they were saying. And it almost felt to me like it was a wv only problem which was an issue for me but then like i said speaking with players former players from other schools that seems to be about standard the one player i spoke with today uh which is tuesday for when we're recording this uh was at virginia tech i posted this on the board he graduated in 2006 was a former starter went on the nfl and he even has a hard time at virginia tech to get tickets for certain games, if he asks late or a big game. So I, I think it's it's interesting to me that, the, that this is a problem everywhere, not just at WVU. So I would like to see what happens here because there's a lot of moving pieces, and I'm not sure there's a, a 100% right answer to it. It's unfortunate because they've been so big into welcoming back former players that you, you obviously wish this hadn't happened and that, there had been another system and there had been a system in place or, or a better system system in place to either prevent this or maybe more importantly to let it get out in public. But that doesn't mean there isn't something in place and they didn't have this plan. But frankly, 
so many other plates spinning at once that this is quite possibly not at the top of their priority list. And like I said, maybe it gets bumped up now. I'd be surprised if there isn't a solution here and a public one <laughs> yes. before too long. Um, moving on to another thing I wanted to get your your fresh hot take on. Um, going through the depth chart changes and many of the changes that were on there were just kind of making official what was already happening, mm-hmm. uh, things we've already seen. But obviously the big new one is Vandarius Cowan being added back to the depth chart, currently listed as the second string backup or the second string bandit co co second string with Zach Sandwich. But Neil Brown said today he's gotten reps with the first team as well. What do you see from him this game? Give me a line. I do think as prophesied here before, he's going to he's gonna play on that kickoff team and he's going to run down and blow someone up. They said they're going to play him on special teams and I don't think he's going to be on punt return. I think he's going to go down on kickoff coverage and, and try to be a, a missile and, and get that going. Um, I do think he'll be a pass rush guy in your third and longs. My concern, though, is that Ellinger is not a guy you want to you wanna go at and miss. And I think you could understand and maybe even forgive if Cowan is so juiced up in this first game that he has a hard time on a guy like Ellinger or kelly bryant or someone of that that variety of quarterback who's going to move around and do some things brock purdy next week would be another example it's not going to get easier for him because jalen hurts is after that so a lot of challenges coming up but it's just a bad quarterback to go at because he's so different and and honestly cowan didn't play a lot of defense at alabama and he hasn't played a lot of football period in a long long time um didn't finish his high school senior season so from start to finish he hasn't been as experienced so i don't expect a lot i think you're going to see flashes where you're like wow that looks different than what I saw there. Um, he's a guy who can bull rush, and he's a guy who can speed rush, and he's a guy who can probably come through an A-gap, too. And I think he's a guy who can probably run up the line and tackle the running back, and you haven't seen a lot of that before. I don't know that he's going to do all of that. I think you'll see some of that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if he got in there and did some things, and they said, okay, we'll let him go for a little bit. But football shape is tough to get into. I mean, you can practice a lot and run a lot and have good cardio, but when you're out there and people are screaming and guys are banging into you and you're playing a bunch of aggressive, violent, ferocious snaps in a row, man, your tank runs out a lot quicker than it does in a practice situation and when you're doing drills in the scout team. So the hardest thing for him is going to be his wind and his lungs, but I do think it's a good thing he had extra time. Um, I expect you'll see flashes. I just don't think you're going to see, you know, holy crap stuff strung out across quarters of the entire game eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, now we're going to have to make this podcast PG-13. Thanks a lot, Mike. Um, that was a bit of a softball for you, the second question. A little easier than the first, and I'm guessing easier than the third here, and it'll be my final one. Earlier this week, uh, California passed a law to allow athletes in college to make money off their image and likeness. Um, there have been rumors, maybe more than rumors, you'll probably know more than me, that other states are making similar moves. Does, I'll skip, I don't want to get into should West, like the state of West Virginia get involved in this as well, but let's just assume that eventually it all just kind of keeps happening, snowballs into everybody can get paid for their image and like this in the NCAA. Does that rule, does that law help or hurt West Virginia University athletics? Uh, it doesn't help. I'm not sure that it hurts because if you're paying players, it can't hurt. It doesn't help because everybody else is going to do it. And if there are gaps or chasms between West Virginia and peers or rivals, they're going to be larger in some instances now just because of how influential um, the commercial or, or the marketing support for a team is, but also how influential the donors are. You know, Who has more donors, for example? Is it going to be, let's just say, Texas or West Virginia? Well, obviously, who's are more... Uh, let's say affluent, obviously Texas. And maybe you're not so worried because you don't go against Texas so much as in recruiting, but perhaps you against you against Penn state, a lot of recruiting or Ohio state, a lot of recruiting who has more donors, who has more affluent donors. It's again, it's Ohio state and Penn state. Um, and again, maybe that's not that big of a deal because um, maybe you don't go against them so much. Maybe you're not, you're not shopping in the same aisles at the grocery store, so to speak. So maybe you're talking about Pitt and Virginia Tech. All right, your donors and the affluency of your, <laughs> that's a word, of your of your, um, uh, your support base there that might be able to manipulate this in recruiting. Maybe that's comparable, but now you're really, you're kind of fishing from a really small pond at this point because you've allowed the haves to separate themselves, not from the have-nots, but from the don't have quite as much as. So now you've really distilled things in a way that we don't have right now. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't have my feet in the wet cement on this one way or the other. I'm all for paying players. Um, I'm not positive that this is the right way to do it. Uh, and my concern is that like it's going to be a little bit Wild Westy which is not a good way to do things. It's separate from the NCAA. And say what you will about the NCAA, and I will, but like if this was an NCAA rule, it would have some enforcement and some regulation. This is not going to have that, and that worries me. How much does the first, say, the first superstar, what, what do you think he's making here? Like, What kind of money do you, do you feel like we're talking here? This is what I've talked to people about, and it's really interesting. This is not a new idea. Um, you'll, you may never know the answer to that. Right. And again, here's the difference. If Will Greer was an extremely marketable NIL, name, image, likeness player, last year. Um, two things. He bails on his final season. Let's not even say bails, but like he doesn't finish his final season. And, and it, not, not everybody agreed with his 
departure. Um, that is going to have an effect tangentially on whomever let him pitch or market on them. So you wonder how picky are these people going to be um, and how much are they willing to pay? I think a lot of people are probably overshooting how much money it's worth. Also, it's going to create potentially divisions in locker rooms because Will Greer and David Sills may be worth plenty. But is David Sills going to be worth as much as Gary Jennings? Probably not. Gary's not going to make theoretically as much as David Sills. And then you're getting into guys like TJ Simmons, or if you want to go back even years and years, think about Stedman Bailey and Tavon Austin and then J.D. Woods, right? Like it's there's a drop-off in, in that stuff, even if there isn't a drop-off in value or productivity even. So that, that concerns me a little bit. And then, frankly, um, offensive linemen and defensive linemen, aren't very sexy players when it comes to marketing and, and, and things like that. So like what happens there? Like, Hey, I keep you upright and I let you throw touchdown passes or I open holes for you. So you can score, you can run touchdowns. You know, what about me? That, that worries me a little bit, which means I think schools will probably get involved as best they can, which means you're going to have some regulation, but it's going to go everywhere. Uh, it's going to be different everywhere, but like it's, it's going to be, it almost seems like, like a front in some regard for donors to sway recruiting. Like, Hey, we need, some money to get this guy to our school. Can you let him, I don't know, market used cars, right? Uh, or, or whatever. And sure, what are you going to pay him? Whatever he wants, right? It's going to differ no matter what. Like, if we got to get this five-star quarterback because he might go to our rival. You're going to make it happen, and he's going to do a little bit of work so he can get, he can uh, actually justify the whole NIL agreement. Um, that, that concerns me. So I, I, I think that there has to be a way to regulate it and have some rules. I don't know what it's going to be, but – I think that at a school like West Virginia, you're not talking like five figures, I don't think, for stuff. Um, I think you're going to find that it's probably a lot more infrequent because of the number of businesses who can do stuff and how much they can actually pay. And beyond that, how many people are going to pay? Probably not that many. Well, I've, I've found in my years that businesses enjoy making money and I'm not sure there are many guys who can swing, you know, can bring in enough to be worth paying a lot. I, I think that's, I tweeted it earlier today. I would really want to be the superstar in college this first couple of years because I think those guys are going to get vastly more money than any of the other guys down the road because businesses are going to find, holy cow, this is not worth it. Other than, you know, unless they just really want to see their team win. As from a business perspective, it's not going to work. It's not going to be that helpful, I don't think. Not five, six figures or whatever people are throwing out there. But, and I think it's going to drop back down. It's going to, the market's going to correct itself. But I agree, there has to be some regulation. And, and eventually, if the NCAA finds that they're going to lose this battle, then I think they'll probably step in and try to, not not a happy medium, but kind of just try to find a way that they can moderate it all. I have a question for you now. Um, this is what's interesting. I wonder if and when and how this becomes part of a recruiting pitch. Like, hey, come to West Virginia. Uh, <laughs> Mylan Pharmaceuticals has a great idea <laughs> to market with you. And does that resonate with the kid? I think that's interesting. So I wonder when that comes in and how much it matters and, and how they have it. And let me ask you this. Uh, I... I was there today when Brown was asked this question and let me, let me couch this before I even start by saying I completely understand because we're within, you know, 24, 48 hours, depending on when you hear this of, of this becoming a thing, a capital T thing. Um, 
So he doesn't have an answer for it, and I'm sure he's not that prepped on it. But he kind of says, you know, I don't. Someone asks him about what he thinks about it, and he said, "I knew you were going to ask." He doesn't have an answer, and he says, "I don't. I don't want to make the rules. I just want to know what they are." And I get that he's not making the rules here, but this could be a rule. And even more importantly, if it's not in West Virginia, it looks like it's going to be in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, South Carolina, um, schools and regions where, or states or regions where they want to recruit from. Um, how soon do you think they have to have a plan? And, and what do you think it is? Do you think it even is an issue with people that they go after? I think they already need a plan. If they don't have one, they need to be working on one. I think they're pretty well prepared, like you said earlier, about their attention to detail. So I think they at least have some kind of bare bones thoughts on what they would say or how they would approach it if need be. Um, but here's the problem. I We may differ on this where I... I didn't have that big of an issue with his non-answer mm-hmm. because even if he disagrees with the rule, if if he does not think the player should be played or be paid, him saying that is going to be turned against him yeah. by other coaches. And so if the kids don't already see the recruits and the players don't already, uh, you know, look at that and be like, Ooh, I don't like that other coaches are going to be like, hey, did you hear what that guy at West Virginia said? He said he doesn't think you should be paid. Not You're not worth it. Come here. I think you're worth it. And so even if he's against it, he can't say that. Yeah, that would be, you know, darn near career suicide with that with that kind of comments, unless unless you're a big enough coach. And Neil Brown's obviously rising and done well everywhere he's been, but I think you can only say that if you are the Nick Sabans of the world. And I, Nick Saban's not even saying that. I agree. And again, I understand why he said it and what he said for the reasons that you said and for the reasons that I don't think he he has his head wrapped around yet because he has plenty going on. And again, this just happened. But it occurs to me, man, what a time right now. Things are changing so much. I think it's going to be more important for players to be visible and to win than it is to make some money on the side. And I think if you're recruiting guys who are going to be pros, um, they're going to make their money. I think they know that at some point, too. It's a little bit different, I think, in, in college football than the NBA because you've got to wait three years. But I think they know they're going to make it. Like, do you think Tua is going to be, you know, pitching product right now? Or is he going to be focused because Saban wants him to win a, a Heisman on a national title, right? He's going to make yeah. his money next year. He knows. But that happens. And, like, I was the dummy who asked Brown last week, hey, do you have an idea how you're going to work with recruits on these ESPN Plus games? Because – we didn't talk to anybody who had seen the game on ESPN Plus. Right. That may change. And again, doesn't have a great plan or answer. And he said, "Listen, we got to get something going," which is a good answer. But like, and again, I'm not knocking him here, but it just occurs to me, like, wow, these things are changing so fast that you think you know what you're doing, and you may be really good at it, and all of a sudden, somebody out in California says, "Aha," and everything changes. All of a sudden, somebody in Bristol, Connecticut says, "Aha," and everything changes on you. It's crazy. Here's where I think, and, and if, because I, I know certain capital P people listen to this. Mm-hmm. Here's an idea, um, and, and I think West Virginia's already got the pieces in place, as we've seen. A lot of, I think, it, when it, if it comes to this, where players are going to get paid and they can be paid for the image and likeness, a lot of this is going to be on that gosh-forsaken social media. It's going to be like the, uh, what do they call those people on Instagram? In, Instagram influencers. influencers. Yeah. Yes. So I think it's going to be a lot of that. And if you're a college team, if I'm a college team right now, a program, I am going out and looking for more marketing people, more people who are social media savvy, who who know how to advertise that and know how to, I mean, even just something as silly as like, 
you know, when Will Greer had a kid, like just taking a picture with his kid in diapers or something, sort of pampers or something for the local store, just with that and boom, he's getting paid for through Instagram like that. Um, cause he's got a big following on there and, and these players, if they know what they're doing, they can line that up and the school can help them. And so I think it would be important to kind of stress that, Hey, I don't know if we have the same, but you can get paid this way and we have the tools to help you get there. And, and I think that's something that, that a program could be able to help them with. I think you're going to see a lot of external affairs people or, or marketing people added to or, or brought into athletic departments just because, at least in the infancy, if this is going where we think it's going, those are questions you're going to have to answer soon. You're going to have somebody come into your office and say, hey, coach, uh, I'm having a great season. I'm going to be really big next year. I'd like to make some money on my name, image, and likeness. And that coach is going to be able – had better be able to say one second and then press you know, the four-digit extension on their phone and sets up an appointment with their star receiver – to go down the hallway and to talk to your external marketing person who's going to have ideas or can be able to set up things for you because it, it does sound like it's going to be almost like having an agent, like a talent agent at some point where I think that's the best thing to do. So it's more compliant with NCAA rules um, or whatever rules do exist because, again, the NCAA may be excluded. But if there's somebody who is in between it, that's the best way a school can control it. You don't want kids doing this on their own because that's when things can get really crooked. I would not be shocked at all if – Maybe not sooner than later, but certainly in the not too distant future, you start seeing people maybe incorporate current employees in their athletic department or maybe even full scale hire somebody because they can to a support staff that says, yeah, man, I'll help you. I'll find you some NIL opportunities. By the way, I'm overqualified for that. (laughs) That was my pitch letter right there. Hey, has somebody check your contract with CBS? It can't be leaving like that. Um, Mike, we have already gone over our time, and we haven't even touched on Texas yet. So, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go with the Longhorns right now? What what's kind of standing out to you before the before this game on Saturday? Do you think there will be stories written in and about Austin <laughs> about the rivalry with West Virginia? Oh boy! See, now you're teeing me up to try to give a fresh hot take. I was surprised that I was surprised at the, at the media thing that like it had taken on such a life. And I'm not I'm not knocking anybody. Your ideas, your ideas, your questions had really good answers from players too. So that's good, which means they are thinking about it. But I think because we have a hand signal and people like to turn the flag upside down, uh, the Texas flag upside down, that you like to have some fun and poke fun at people, or whatever. And certainly West Virginia has bragging rights in this. But I think about who Texas plays next week, and you know what what really matters to them. Uh, which is not beating West Virginia, which if West Virginia wins, that kind of makes their season, I think. Um, I, I'm, I, I wonder like if, if that's a good thing for West Virginia, if they are indeed up for this rivalry, or if Texas is like, no, this is game five, and the Red River is next week. We better not screw this one up, because then next week means nothing. Counter-argument. Okay. Is it a rivalry if one team is winning all the football games? I see what you did there. Yeah, West that's what Virginia, they always say about Marshall, West Virginia right? five and two. So I mean, is Texas even a rival? I don't. I don't know. A thundering uh, no. herd of Longhorns. So <laughs> I, I, I'm with you on this. I I have not watched or listened to any of the Texas interviews or questions. I can only imagine that if there were any questions about a about what I mean, obviously there are questions about West Virginia, but I'm talking about feelings and anything off the field. 
it's not going to be about it being a quote unquote rivalry. It's going to be, do you want revenge for last year more than some longstanding rivalry and hatred between the two programs, more of a, Hey, didn't that piss you off last year when they came here, beat you threw down to the horns down, called you a cry baby. And you know, do you want to go beat them and do it to them too? And other than that, I don't, I don't see the rivalry thing. Um, like you said, Texas's real rivalry is next week against Oklahoma. I also think the fans are are probably just mad at Texas because of some of the privilege, and I think the way that they understand or misunderstand the long, the horns down rule. But like, I don't I don't know where Texas would rank on their top blank of rivals for fans because one they have beat them. I would think Oklahoma's certainly higher. Um, Iowa State's their true rival in the Big Twelve. Um, TCU was always a good game, and they came in at the same time. So those two are kind of measured against each other. And if TCU is doing better, which has by and large been been true, some exceptions, um, I mean, those are the ones I think immediately come to mind right now. And then if you go outside the conference, there's, what, a handful that are, I think, certainly bigger rivals too. I get the point. I just wonder how much players invest in that right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, they, they gave some good answers. So obviously some, I guess. Sam Ellinger will never forget, though, so. <laughs> I mean, he, he did write the story a little bit this week, so I get that. Okay. Uh, well, Mike, I think that covers everything for today. Uh, we will obviously be back throughout the week with more written word and spoken word. I will be joined by Chip Brown of Horns 24-7 uh, for a little preview podcast on Friday morning. Uh, we will also have some pretty interesting bowl projections up later this week. Uh, my best bets... Uh, guess who was up five hundred some dollars last week? And oh, is, wow. yeah, you. I'm never gonna shut up about it. And once, hey, once I get back uh, to even, um, man, I'm I'm really gonna be insufferable. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, Mike, what do you got coming? I have a question for you. Yes. Is chili a soup? It, it is not a soup. No. It's chili, right? Yes, it is okay. its own classification. All right. That was a heated, a heated thing on our boards and on social media this week. <laughs> it's chili a soup, so I'm glad that we're on the same page there. Yes. Uh, I have, I have many good things. We're going to talk a little bit about Van Darius Cowan and what his players or his teammates say that have gone with him and against him in practice. Uh, I think we're going to have some fun with Vic Coning. Excuse me, yeah, Coning. I was confusing him with Les Kenning, but uh, with Vic and some some of his uh, gift of gab again this week, and try to break down some um, some matchups and some keys for West Virginia. I, I've watched Texas play a bunch just lately and I'm surprised by how much quarterbacks have to move to beat them. Uh, they're pretty good at mixing up where they bring their pass from, but also like West Virginia safeties had better have, I think a good game because Texas really uses the middle of the field and the run game with their running backs and quarterbacks, but they're very tricky with their slot receiver and then kind of a switch in their, their slot and their outside guys during routes. So their safeties are going to have to be on point, which against Kansas, uh, not always great. By the way, it sounds like, Maybe Josh Norwood blew up that play uh, and not Tyke Smith. Hmm. I'll have to look at, listen to the tape again. I'll have to go back and watch the tape and listen to it. But it sounded like that uh, Vic said that our free safety you know, did something he wasn't supposed to do, which means he was supposed to play a hook route that the cornerback had, and he was supposed to spin back and help. And maybe he didn't. And here we are. We even talked about this. Are we blaming Tyke Smith? Are we blaming Hakeem Bailey? And we both kind of said maybe it was Josh Norwood. Uh, it might have been Josh Norwood. Oh, see, this is why I don't, uh, you know, take stabs at that. So I don't get hate calls from defensive coaches anymore. 
So that's always nice. Let me listen to the tape again. I'll come back and edit this if I have to. Uh, <laughs> but chili will still be chili when I'm done. Sounds good. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. And again, we'll be back later this week.